about what it means to be equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And um, some of you will be aware that we have been, over the last nine days, uh, engaged with a, a season of prayer along with churches across the world. It's been really exciting. Any of you who've kept up with stuff online of the many activities that are going on, uh, have been going on across the, the country and across the world uh, in the Thy Kingdom Come initiative. And the, the season very much coincides, very deliberately coincides with that period of time since Ascension, which was a week last Thursday, and today, Pentecost, because it's always traditionally in the church been a time of waiting, a time of expectation, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And of course that mirrors the experience of those first disciples, doesn't it? In the Gospel reading we heard that they were, locked, they were in fear of the Jewish leaders, and we know from Acts that they were uh, in this upper room, as Jesus had told them, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And they were, they were scared. They were beleaguered. They were um, lacking in confidence and courage. And yet on the day of Pentecost, something happens that completely changes that. And many people have said that actually this is one of the greatest pieces of evidence for the truth of the Christian gospel. That why on earth did this beleaguered group of men and women suddenly become this band of people that changed the world, that changed history, and are the reason that we're sitting here today? So something happened, something happened on that day. So that's what we're going to be thinking about today, is what, um, what does the Holy Spirit do? And just to step back slightly, so in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, Um, This is what Jesus said uh, to his disciples. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them his command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. So if we could have the first slide. So Jesus did send the Holy Spirit that he had promised. Um, And he goes on to say in Acts chapter 1, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, and and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So the age of the Spirit had come. And Pentecost is often called the birthday of the church. So happy birthday, everyone. This is the day we celebrate our birthday, the time when Jesus did what he promised and sent the Holy Spirit so that we could all be equipped and empowered to do the very things that he did. And Jesus had been teaching them about the Holy Spirit throughout his ministry. Um, And these are the various different things that he taught them. We're not going to go through this in detail. But just to give us an idea of the things that the Holy Spirit does. So he quenches our thirst. He is our counsellor. He is the spirit of truth. He teaches and reminds us of what Jesus said. And of course, the disciples and others were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the scriptures that we have today. He also, the Holy Spirit, and this is why we confess each week and we invite the Spirit to convict us of our guilt and our sin um, so that we might be forgiven and might receive his mercy. And also the Holy Spirit reveals the glory of Jesus, the glory of God. And then he also comes upon us um, to baptize us and drench us, actually, is the more literal translation of that word, baptize, that we're drenched with the Holy Spirit. That's what we're called to be, drenched with the Holy Spirit. And then to be empowered, as we've just read, to be witnesses to Jesus. 
So what we have here in Acts is we have this promise being fulfilled. And we're told that they're filled with the Holy Spirit and then they began to speak in other languages. And it began to attract some attention, as you can imagine. We don't quite know where this happened, but possibly in the temple court area in Jerusalem, which is sort of uh, high, high up in Jerusalem. It's on the sort of top of the, of the hill, which was Mount Moriah. Um, and it's, so it's a high place. This began to happen and a crowd began to gather. And we're to, at the time of Pentecost, because this was a Jewish um, celebration as well, at the time of Passover, um, there, or Pentecost was a Jewish celebration, there were lots of people from all over the place. And uh, Jean very skillfully read all those names to us. And actually those places are sort of like the known world from east to west at that time. So there's that sense of the whole world was gathered in that place. And all of these languages were spoken and people could understand the message in their own language. And this is very important because what happens with the coming of the Spirit of God on all people, on all nations, is that that promise that the Jewish nation would be blessed in order to be a blessing to all nations was coming to fruition or beginning. So the idea that actually there wasn't just this one favoured group of God's people, but that actually all people are now able to receive the Holy Spirit, able to know God and do the things that he does. The new era has been produced, uh, introduced. In other words, the new covenant, the kingdom has um, come and is beginning to be fulfilled. And then Peter stands up and he gives this amazing sermon. Again, remember, this was Peter who had denied Jesus uh, and who was scared. And yet he stands up and brings this great sermon because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, And he gives us two really important lessons here. So first of all, he says that the Holy Spirit is for all people, for young men, for old men, for old people, for men and for women. And again, we sort of read those words and they all sound quite familiar. But again, we need to remember how radical the gospel is. Because um, in that time, as we've heard uh, through looking at 1 Peter, women were really not seen as having any status in society. They were really possessions. And yet here we're saying that the Spirit is pulled out on all people. Similarly, children children didn't really have any status. Um, not until they became a certain age. And yet here we're hearing um, Peter quoting Joel and saying, the Spirit is going to be pulled out on all people, everyone, young, old, men and women. I think that includes pretty much all of us. The Spirit is for all of us. It's poured out on all people. So the new era has begun. And this is different, just to remind ourselves, this is different from the Old Testament era because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was there. Um, The Holy Spirit was brooding over the waters in creation. But the Holy Spirit tended to be poured out on people at specific times in specific places for a specific reason. So think of someone like Gideon. You know, it talks about the Holy Spirit being given to Gideon for leadership or to Samson for strength or for Isaiah, uh, to Isaiah for prophecy. But now in this new era, this new covenant, we are all empowered and equipped by the Holy Spirit. That Old Testament prophecy is being fulfilled. And so what do we need the Holy Spirit for? Well, we have it there. 
The Holy Spirit empowers and equips us for mission. And there was a report a few years ago from the Church of England called Mission Shaped Church. The tragedy is that they even needed to write a report like that. Because what other sort of church is there? The whole raison d'etre of the church is that we are mission shaped. The whole raison d'etre of the church is that we proclaim the good news. That we as disciples, we're in the business of making other disciples. We're not just meant to be like, oh, I'm a disciple now, great. Um, I'm not going to tell anyone else about it. Because I've, I've, I've got this for myself now, thank you very much. But yet somehow the church has become a lot of other things. You know, it's become the looking after its members church. It's become the social action church. It's become whatever. None of those things are bad. They're good. Or it's become, let's fill ourselves up with lots of teaching church, but not actually do anything with it. So we are called to be a mission-shaped church. And we can only, only do that We can only proclaim the gospel. We can only do the things that Jesus did if we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we're a bit like this glass. At the moment, it's quite useful because it's got water in it. Um, But if I drink it all, which I probably won't be able to drink all of it quite now. I'll do it in a minute. When it's empty, it's a bit useless, isn't it? I mean, you could look at it. But it's not really that attractive, is it? But yet, lots of us live our Christian lives like that. We're quite nice to look at, but we're a bit useless. Because we are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Or some of us have had a big gulp like I just had or maybe a couple of gulps, of the Holy Spirit way back when. And we look back to that time, oh, that was wonderful when God was with me and I was filled with the Holy Spirit and I was really on fire for God. But now, well, that time's gone. I'm a bit old for that now. Or, well, I was a bit disappointed because, you know, things didn't work out as I'd like. No, we have to go on being filled. Now, if I was really clever, I'd have a jug here and I'd keep filling it. Um, But I forgot to do that. But that is what we are called to be. We are called to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It, It says in Ephesians that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can be equipped for mission. And the thing I feel God is saying to us this year as a church is that actually we need to be better equipped for mission. Because I'm aware, you know, I'm saying all of this, but I actually also find it hard sometimes to talk to people about my faith or really talk to them in the sense of, you know, people, I think, think St. Stephen's is all right and they think we're in quite a nice bunch. Um, and they come to our events, whether it's prime time or whether it's um, messy church or whatever it is. But actually, do we have the courage to say to them, you know what, would you like to follow Jesus? Now, we've got to be winsome in the way we do that. We've got to be wise in how we do that. But what I want us to be doing over the next year or so is just to be learning how to do that, how to tell our story. 
because we all have a story to tell about how God has impacted our lives. And yet somehow we seem a bit reticent to tell, talk to other people about that. Even though it was probably someone else talking to us that helped us to find Jesus. So we maybe just need a bit of confidence, a bit of courage, and a whole heap of the Holy Spirit to help us to tell others about Jesus, to do the things that Jesus did. Because this is the same Holy Spirit by which Jesus healed the sick, by which Jesus set the oppressed free, by which Jesus lifted up the downtrodden. It's the same Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't have sort of the supercharged version of the Holy Spirit, and we have a sort of, you know, um, reduced uh, version, Holy Spirit light. No, we have the same Holy Spirit, and we are called to do the same things. We are called to pray for the sick. We are called to be people who bring liberation to those who are oppressed, whether it be by addiction or whatever it might be. And, you know, in this area that we live, we are surrounded by people who have different gods. You can probably think of a few. Materialism, education, um, success, titles, cars, whatever. Um, and we ourselves can be very tempted by those idols. None of those things are wrong in themselves. Of course they're not. But when they displace God, they're wrong. They're idols. And we are called to, to call people to a better way to live. Following Jesus. Partnering with him. And as I've already mentioned this is the same Holy Spirit that transformed that beleaguered group of disciples into a life-changing, world-changing group of men and women. If we could have the next picture. When I was in the Holy Land back in um, February, this was one of my favourite spots. It's by Lake Galilee. Uh, it's a place called Tagbah, which is very, very close to Capernaum. And this is the spot where um, Peter was reinstated. And I really identify with Peter because he often puts his foot in it. He often speaks before he's engaged his brain. Um, I've got a bit better, um, but, you know, in my natural disposition, I tend to think before I speak. Or think, no, speak before I think. Um, and so I, I really identify, and, you know, that passion, and yes, Lord, I will go with you to death. Um, you know, and yet he doesn't always follow through on that passion and enthusiasm. And this is the moment or a statue, a sculpture of the moment where Jesus reinstates him and says, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Yeah, it is drawing, isn't it? It is beautiful. Um, and that's what we're called to do as well. And the thing is with Peter, he was broken. He actually had got to the point where he knew that in his own enthusiasm, in his own, yeah, I'm going to go for it, he wouldn't succeed. But yet, empowered by the Holy Spirit, what does he do? He stands up in front of the crowd. He stands up in front of the crowd. And he raises his voice and addresses the crowd and he begins to preach. Uh, he says, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. We can barely believe it's the same man. But actually, this is the same man. But this time, he is empowered 
by the Holy Spirit. And as I say, I love Peter because he makes me realise that even though I screw up several times, and I'm sure many of you do, um, actually Jesus just picks us up and says, come on, keep going. I'm going to give you my spirit to equip you and empower you. Yes, in your own, if you just rely on your own talents and gifts and strengths, you're probably not going to get that far. But actually with me, you and me together, we can do awesome things. And that's what the Christian faith is all about. We are partnering with God in the power of the Holy Spirit. I also love the fact that the early church came to see themselves as the body of Christ. And we'll be remembering that later as Chris presides as we break bread together. We, again, these things just wash over us, don't they? Body of Christ, yeah, we're the body of Christ. I mean, just think about that for a moment. What does that actually mean? We are the body of Christ. Jesus is no longer physically here on earth. So who does his work? You and me. You and me. We are the body of Christ. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the ones who are called to do the things that Jesus did. To bring healing, to bring restoration, to look out for those who are marginalized and oppressed in society to seek justice, to sometimes challenge the authorities in an appropriate way. This is what we are called to do. We are called to embody Jesus, to be his physical presence here on earth. We can't possibly do that without the Holy Spirit. There's a story about um, the AT&T telephone company in America, and they had a major failure in New York City. And they'd had an agreement that... um, when electricity peaked, when the electric demand peaked, they would switch their backup generators. But one day they did that and something went wrong. And when they switched over, the resulting power surge blew all sorts of circuits. And this knocked out the phone service, it knocked out all the air traffic controller stuff, and over a thousand flights were cancelled and affected. And usually technicians would very quickly fix that problem. It sounds a bit like BA recently, doesn't it? Um, However, the reason they didn't respond on that particular occasion was that while the alarm bells were ringing, unheard, the technicians were, believe it or not, attending a training session on how to handle an emergency. (laughs) And sadly, the church is often like that. We attend lots of training sessions about this and about that, but we don't actually do anything. I mean, I'm being, you know... I'm exaggerating, of course. But the reality is, is that, you know, you'll often hear people say in churches, oh, well, you know, we need to have more feeding and more teaching. No, we just need to go. The way we learn to grow as a disciple is to do the things that Jesus did. That's how we learn. We all know that, all of us know that we learn best, whatever profession we're in, whatever we do in life, how do we learn best? Not from, not from a book, although that's important. It's important that scripture is our base, but we learn by doing. That's how we learn. That's the, um, that's the Jesus model, that we watch what he does, we do what he does, and we go. Okay, there's a whole heap more I wanted to say, but um, just the final thing is that we are to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. If we could have the next um, slide, Bill.
So we are to go on being filled. So we're going to give you an opportunity for that to happen a bit later in the service. So the way we're going to do it is uh, when you come up to receive communion, I will have some um, anointing oil. And if you would like me to, I will make the sign of the cross on your forehead and I will say, uh, come Holy Spirit, thy kingdom come. Very simple prayer. And I'll pray that for each of you. And the thing is, when I pray that, I'm not somehow summoning the Holy Spirit to be with us, because he already is. What I'm doing is encouraging each of us, me included, to invite the Holy Spirit to come into our lives. The Holy Spirit doesn't come in uninvited. So if you're not ready to receive the Holy Spirit, he doesn't, you know, he won't barge his way into your life. You invite him, and you are effectively, when I say that prayer, agreeing that you want to partner with God. You want to be empowered and equipped by the Holy Spirit. You are welcoming the presence of God into your life, the presence of God that is already present, but that he waits for us to acknowledge and to invite. And just finally, there are different ways to experience the Holy Spirit, and water and um, wind are good metaphors. And we sometimes know that water can be like a gentle stream. Sometimes water can be a mighty waterfall. Wind can be a gentle breath. That beautiful gospel reading, Jesus breathed on them. Just a gentle breath. Or sometimes wind can knock us off our feet. And the Holy Spirit is like that. But the main thing is that we give him permission to do what he wants to do in our lives and in our church. Amen. Oh, one quick thing. I have produced a little handout, which is not to do with my talk directly, but it's about gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, that we see in Scripture and just uh, for you to look at uh, when you have time. So as Danny said, we, the church, are Jesus' hands and feet here on this world, on this earth. So as the church, let's stand together now and declare our collective faith in God in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven 
and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.